0: API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more
1: details. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, Versioning and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Uh, so, uh, I would say we're going to do a little something different today because that's what I always end up saying. But I don't know. I think we're going to do something we've done before. Uh, but it is different than building APIs. And I think it's, uh, it's like kind of looking at how do you consume lots of APIs that are real similar and make it easier. Uh, that is this kind of API aggregation space, so to speak, and some things maybe we can learn from it. So um, I'm happy to have uh, Gil Fai here today from Merge, uh, one of the co-founders who was kind enough to take his time to spend with us. So thank you for joining Gil.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: And my lovely co-host Anna here as always. Thanks for having me. All right, so Gil, Merge, uh, I guess, you know, give us the uh, the elevator pitch here. What do you guys do uh, so the listeners understand where we're coming from?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the notion of an aggregator, and I guess that's, that's a good way to describe us. Essentially, what we do is build unified APIs. So, uh, for example, you are a B2B company. You need to offer integrations with, say, HR platforms to your customers. Merge integrates with 30, 40, 50 HR platforms unifies them all into a single format, and then provides one API that our customers consume. Uh, we started with HR, payroll, and ATS, or applicant tracking systems. I've expanded to a lot of other verticals, such as you know CRM, ticketing, accounting, and planning on tackling all B2B verticals over time.
1: Got it. So I guess that means you uh, your customers are trying to build companies and uh, have lots of these things available for themselves, or is it for their customers?
0: It is for their customers. So we build APIs that, that they use to, to embed within their products to offer integrations to their customers. Uh, so let's say a, a sales ops platform that needs to integrate with Salesforce, uh, but they also, because their customers might not use Salesforce, they might use you know HubSpot or some other CRM. They don't want to build all of those different CRM integrations. So instead, uh, our customer integrates once with us, and then their customers, no matter which CRM they're using, can choose to integrate with their platform.
1: Got it. Okay. Integrate all the things,
0: all the things <laughs> you never know what your customer is going to be on. And, uh, you're looking at 50, 60, you know, you're more platforms and, and that's where uh, we come in.
1: So it's funny. Um, you know, I always think back to like, you know, cause I'm old, I hide the gray hair pretty well, but <laughs> I think back to like, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, seeing, you know, some of these products coming out saying, you know, we're going to have this you know one definition for how to do this you know universal commoditized thing in a given space and uh, it just sounded so dreamy and i feel like now there's there's lots of this stuff all over the place and uh sometimes scratch my head and go like why is it still like this why do we still not have one way of doing things so i'm curious to get your take from you know doing this for a job uh you know trying to build a company around the idea why is it still this way
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, obviously, Merge exists because it is that way. Um, But, you know, when you you look back, there's there's a lot of reasons. I think one is, you know, companies release things over time. So you have a company that built an API 20 years ago when not only the, the sort of notion of how APIs themselves were built were different, but the industries themselves, you know, the requirements of payroll and HR laws have changed. You have is 2% shareholder now mattering in, in tax law. Um, and that's now a field that exists in newer HR and payroll systems. So there's a lot of things that, that cause all these companies to evolve, but because of that, they, they kind of all end up being pretty different. You also have different philosophies on APIs in general, companies that wanna keep data in house and not expose it. So they only expose very limited data or expose it in some you know very, very difficult to integrate with way versus other platforms are all about open ecosystem. We think we can be Salesforce by letting everyone build on top of us and becoming that core system of record. So uh, yeah, I, I could keep going. There's a million reasons, but uh, you ultimately end up with with almost, you know, uh, companies that tend to do very similar things, but it's almost like they speak completely different languages. Yeah, Developers tend to find themselves like, On different camps right some of them like to build from scratch some of them like to you know pick and choose from the best open source tools or the best apis that are out there um who are you talking to who are you selling to uh when you're trying to describe how a unified api will benefit a developer yeah it's a great question so we we mainly sell to you know chief product officers ctos you know head of product or you know someone some engineering leader Um, We do occasionally also do bottoms up to an engineer who's researching, you know, how do I pull employees from Workday? And then they land upon an article from us about that. And they they end up diving in and realizing, you know, hey, we don't need just Workday. We need all these platforms. But Ultimately, it's it's you know a, a similar problem of a company you know especially in B two B which which we target uh, when when they go out when they set out and say hey we need to build integrations they're not going out and saying I you know we need to build Workday integration because we have a customer on Workday they're saying we need to build HR integrations because some of our customers are on Workday and some are on Paylocity and some are on Bamboo HR and Gusto and Namely and Rippling and you know it's just so many of them and so they start seeing this problem and realizing like this is going to be never ending. And so they make that choice you know do we choose merge or do we choose to build these one by one um, And not just merge but do we choose a unified api they exist for a lot of different verticals right so um in e-commerce you have you have rudder and you know there's just so many there um, and so then you know they're kind of looking at the problem deciding and they they ultimately do first like a technical deep dive so you will have an engineer dive in um, so often conversations do involve both the the pm who recognizes the benefits of it and then the engineer who recognizes the benefits but also doesn't necessarily trust it right off the bat, wants to make sure it can do everything they need and wants to dive in and actually deeply understand it.
1: I mean, do you ever feel like when you look at some of these industry verticals, like why haven't they just come together and defined one thing? I know I already asked it, but I just can't get off of it when I think about your space. <laughs> like, yeah. And would that have been, and I know you're totally not objective, right? Like you're trying to build a company around this gap. Do you think like the world would be a better place if some of these verticals would just align on one standard for some of these things?
0: I think maybe so, but it also you know begs the question like when, whenever you do something like that, it's it's an investment. You have to make a lot of changes on your end, and ultimately, what's what's the benefit to an HR company of agreeing to a standard of HR data transfer? I mean. Maybe they could have more companies integrate with them, but ultimately there's also that fear of, you know, Hey, our data is now going to get ripped out of our platform and just ported somewhere else because it's much easier uh, to do that if we're all speaking the same language. Um, So I I think, you know, yeah, there would be benefits mainly for the consumer, but I don't think as many for the actual businesses themselves.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm being coy too and, and baiting here in the sense that I think, you know, I feel like our listeners are probably asking themselves this when they look at this kind of stuff, but you know older wiser jason looks at it and says like yeah you're looking at product differentiation everybody wants to have a different flavor and a different look but i guess when you know i put yourself in in your chair of how to design for 40 50 different things like when you put those all together you either have like a least or greatest common denominator do you end up with the sprawling landscape of too many things or do you end up with it being so lean that it's you know questionable usefulness and yeah, how do you balance that
0: yeah, that's a great question. I think I think for one, we recognize um, that we have to go deep. Uh, it was an evolution for us as a company. But when we started out, we were like uh, basically what we do: we make a massive spreadsheet of all the platforms, all the models down to a field level. So you know, you're talking employee, then you have first name, last name, date of birth, everything. Uh, and then we go through and we check, you know, is this platform supporting it? Is it minimally supported? That sort of thing. Um, and then we look for for dominance. And, and if it seems like everybody supports something, it's going to be included. If it seems like something's not very supported, but the main platforms, the ones with, with a huge market share support it, we tend to include that as well. You know, but what do we do if... if Something like Gusto's is 2% shareholder field on the employee is not commonly supported. Um, In that case, we do have a big decision to make because if if we list that as a field that's supported, our developers, you know, customers are gonna come in and build on that. They're gonna assume that that field is gonna come through. They're gonna build a product that relies on that field coming in. Uh, and then we've really misled them when, when their customers start connecting their platforms and realizing, hey, this is actually only supported for one platform. Um, so in general, we try to go as deep as possible, uh, but we are we are nuanced about it. We don't cover things that we, we really think have zero or virtually zero industry support. Uh, and then we do have some sort of alternative methods. Uh, anything you can do by building directly you are able to do with, with merge and some other unified APIs through, you know, other methods of directly accessing the underlying data. But, but overall, yeah, when it comes to being unified, it is a a big decision a big trade off you have to make.
1: I mean, I guess the curiosity is you probably see a lot, you know, all the different styles and flavors of, uh, of API designs. Um, you know, when you guys kind of sat down to look at, um, what's the, what's our style? Versus all these myriad of options out there, like how did you decide what good look like for you?
0: Yeah, um, so I think we a lot of us came from backgrounds of of building APIs, of course, and uh, that's sort of what led us to to start Merge. But uh, we had, we obviously yeah, big decision there. I think there were some that we ruled out, like we weren't going to build a SOAP API, we weren't going to build you know some older ones. But you know there there were a few options, like we could have done RPC, we could have done REST, um, GraphQL. We we were considering a few different ones there. Um, I think RBC, it just wasn't, wasn't you know, widely supported enough or widely understood enough. Uh, we're building something that we wanted the most possible developers to be able to understand. We know everyone's aware of GraphQL and we know that it is up and coming and it, it is what a lot of people think is the future. But again, it just wasn't something that we viewed as, as being you know, widely understood enough, something that would just get people up and running as quickly as possible. So we decided to go with REST. Um, obviously we built a lot of our backend infrastructure in a way that it would be easy for us to either convert our API or launch a new version that is GraphQL based if we decide to do that in the future. But really we're, we're kind of like what we do with the underlying APIs we integrate with. We we analyze a lot of things like adoption to understand what's going to be the most successful for our customers.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I feel like it's boring choice, but it's a true, like uh, I, I look at these things about once a year, we kind of go look and, you know, think about, like, what are the predominant pattern for sort of externalized APIs, you know, not necessarily microservices or internal stuff. And, um, you know, for better or worse, it's the state of things. Um, it's like gRPC wasn't really built for that. Um, and GraphQL, just there's risky stuff in there, right? It's, it's tricky uh, to make it scale so
0: exactly and, and we thought about that you know it's it, to me it's almost like electric cars right they they're new and cool and everybody wants one or, or did want one for a long time uh and it was only recently that you know you had enough charging stations and the infrastructure to support them uh and i feel like finally it's it's a good choice and i know that graphql is going to get there it's just not quite there yet
1: yeah yeah fair enough um but Even within sort of the you know, and I don't know, I'm going to get like shot in social media if I just say rest with certainty. You know, this HTTP style API, uh, there's a lot of space for flavor within that. You know, did uh, you know when you guys were doing that early coding, as I'm sure you're involved in? You know, how did you think about um, you know what your kind of models were for? You know, uh, uh, what good look like, right? Like,
0: yep. Yeah, makes sense. I think, I think for us, one big thing was any notion of, of one-to-one, right? So um, let's say uh, an employee can have a job title and that doesn't change. It's going to be that forever. That would just live on the employee. So we, we follow this notion of you know, making our models as wide as possible, reduce joins, reduce the number of, of additional requests you need to make. But in, in situations of one-to-many, which is really common for us, so unfortunately, job titles do change, and people want that history, right? So that's where the employee now has employments that represent, for, for a period of time, they were a manager, and then they were a senior manager, and people want that historical data. Um, so we, we don't want to make someone, though, have to make one API request to us for the employee, and then make 10 more for each of their employments, or for one for the list of employments, for example. Um, so we really, really loved the idea of this is in the standard respect, but the expand parameter, um, that's a big one we use. So you know, anything we return back IDs for, you can you can ask us to expand it as a query param. And instead of an ID, you're gonna get back a full object. Uh, that's something that actually has been really tough with uh, I I know that you guys are pretty deep in open API uh, a- open API doesn't have great support for this yet um and and while you can represent an open API most of the things that that are you know like SDK generators and docs generators, they tend to struggle a bit more with with types that change uh, depending on on your your query param. so uh, yeah that's that's one of the decisions I would say we chose um, yeah, and then some some ordering based ones, page size based ones, you know, a, a lot of different ones there. But but our goal again was when we built integrations with all these different APIs, what did we find to be the the easiest for us, the, the easiest to understand, um, and also basically enable what what enabled us to build really efficient APIs that didn't you know require X and the API requests to fetch N records, for example.
1: Yeah excuse me I, i'm a big fan of that kind of expand tech pattern that you you get what you need and then if you need more you just kind of ask for it i feel like kind of solves for a lot of what people sort of throw a graphql at everything for um but you know it, it, it can be a tricky engineering problem to actually make that work well um but it sounds like kind of I, I wanted to call it another thing that you you did here, which is saying that rather than an employee as kind of the noun, the resource uh, and and rather saying that you know either you then have to go get history. It's like employments. It's like by just pluralizing a verb can make it a noun and a collection of things, right? So it's kind of funny how the linguistics of playing and uh, kind of API design and keeping things as sort of a collection of stuff you can filter on is just, uh, I think it's easy to overlook how straightforward it is when you do it that way.
0: Yeah, and, and we're, that, that's very true. And we're, we're really obsessive about that. We actually um, released one of our more recent APIs into a beta and realized that uh, unfortunately we had not pluralized one item that needed to be pluralized. Obviously the, the consequences of that are quite grave when you have a lot of big customers who are beta onboarded, you have all your SDKs built out, your documentation, you, uh, you know, even even on your back end, changing the names of the, d- the tables in the database, all of that, it was it was a huge mess. And so we have, I would say, pretty strict processes around naming everything now where we're really on top of making sure that things are crystal clear.
1: Do you put any sort of like automation or anything around that that helps you prevent those things?
0: We do. So we added a linting rule after it happened. Um, But, you know, I think I think it unfortunately is one of those postmortem situations where it won't happen again, but it happened once.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think uh, anybody that's building APIs has had one of those design slips and have to take it back. It stinks. But uh, I think, you know, uh, if you solve it with automation, it certainly helps prevent the possibility of human mistakes in the future. So is that sort of like code linting level stuff that you're doing?
0: Yeah, so we we do code linting level stuff. Uh, we we use a few different ones. So we have we have a normal linter. I think we use we're all in Python, so we use Black as our linter. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have been using Semgrep recently, which gives us you know more complex rules, the ability to also detect security issues, uh, those sorts of things.
1: Got it. Um, sorry, I'm intrigued by this one. So anytime someone says they can control the use of language with linting, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is it just that you're looking for like? Plural language or like singular language as being kind of the the thing to warn on?
0: Yeah. So essentially, we we use an ORM. um, We use the Django built in ORM uh, for our models. And what what it does is essentially it'll look to see uh, does this model have a one to one relationship with another model or does it have a many to one? Mm. And if there's a many to one, it needs to be plural. Um, There's also instances where the model itself is not a plural name. Uh, Because that's just a model in our database, but the way it's exposed to our SDKs, so the way that our open API spec gets generated in there, like the endpoint name or other things do need to be pluralized. So there's a few different instances of where we have to do this. Um, But yeah, it it is analyzing that. It's going a bit deeper than just like, is it a model? Pluralize it or don't.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Anytime people like catch automation stuff around language, I'm always happy because it's the hard thing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. And we actually are, are working, you know, more deeply on, on uh, you know, starting to lint our open API spec, uh, which I know, I know Spectral is a, a good example that you guys have. It's something that we've been, uh, you know, eyeing and, and definitely are looking to add probably in the next quarter.
1: Yeah. And don't worry, I wasn't fishing uh, for a plug there. Uh, genuine <laughs> curiosity. Uh, but yeah, it seems like everybody's playing with Spectral these days. It's super cool. Yeah. Very cool.
0: So you're feeling uh, pretty... Um... Needful gap, right in a lot of verticals right now, uh, but what do you think the landscape looks like? You know, three, five years from now, what, what is this going to evolve into? And especially for those verticals you you serve. Yeah, so I, I think what's interesting is API companies have changed a lot over time. Um, and so, you know, you go way back, you have MuleSoft bridging on prem to cloud, and you have, you know, after that, you have sort of like UiPath, like workflow automation type things. Then you have embedded workflow automation, which would be like um, Workato and Trey embedded, where essentially uh, the end user can onboard, and then these companies are going in on the back end and, you know, dragging and dropping connections, almost like Zapier in a way. Um, and, now, and now you're seeing more of these unified apis which are the notion based, based on this promise that that embedding you know sort of like these these workflow builders is not enough uh, and companies these days actually you know need to build integrations with a ton of platforms that do the same thing and there's just a lot of grunt work around, building those connections again and again, and having to go in and drag and drop and drag and drop. And a lot of people have actually moved away from workflow automation and moved back towards coding in-house because it's not solving much of the problem. And so I think that's one of the big reasons you're seeing a lot of unified APIs popping up. Uh, for reference, the the most well-known unified API is Plaid where they're bringing together, you know, what, 50,000, don't 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 quote me on that, but 50,000 banks all in one, you know, you essentially, uh, you go into Robinhood or you go into any, any app that connects your bank account and it pops up and asks you to select your bank. Uh, that, that's what it is. It, they were really, I would say the, the originators or the first ones to go mainstream with it. Um, and the value was just so clear that people started seeing this problem in other verticals and started tackling it everywhere. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing them for the most random industries now, uh, but yeah, when it comes to B two B and B two C, transparently, uh, you're just you're just seeing. I think unified APIs are the future um, for solving this problem in specific the the embedded integration problem.
1: Yeah, I guess deeper and deeper kind of vertical uh, specialties seems to be the 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 trend, huh? Yeah. When
0: you look at when you look more recently you know you're going on these these companies these websites and um they have they have sometimes you know 150 200 integrations and there's no way they're building them all in-house and, and you know they need to offer it to acquire customers because again you know like i mentioned earlier they don't know which platform their customer is using uh, but what they do know is they need to offer all of them so that they can serve every customer and so that's the value of the unified api it's don't go build 200 integrations it's maybe build five and then you're done building.
1: Yep. Um, you know, it, the payment space, which I spent sometimes in always makes me itchy around like security and compliance. But the only thing that makes me itchier is when we talk about like HR data and all this very personal data. So feel free to tell me, you know, none of your business, but I'm curious cause I'm sure there's plenty of listeners dealing with this kind of data. And I assume you have to cache all this stuff is like how, And you're still fairly small as a company, if I'm not mistaken. Like, how are you tackling some of these like really hard sort of security compliance issues around some of the data that you're using and not have it eat up all of your operational budget?
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic question and one that I answer almost every day. So uh, happy to dive in there. But um, yeah, before before we ever launched, you know, me and my co-founder both came from enterprise software before this, we knew it, we had been through it. I did security reviews probably. Five probably probably daily for the past couple of years before starting merge and so uh, before we ever launched before we even onboarded a customer we had already gotten our SOC two type two so we worked on that while we were still building out the product uh, that meant that meant building a pretty robust security program from the beginning uh, we're about to get ISO we're about to get HIPAA um, you know we we just need to keep getting them we're GDPR compliant these sorts of things are, are critical. So you know we're we're really on top of it, and and that's basically it. We we have a lot of options for our customers um, to to also store their data separately. So we offer single tenant. We're working you know pretty closely on, on, on an on prem offering over the next probably six months to a year. So uh, basically, whatever customers need, we're there to do it. Uh, we're now we're now able to, to you know work with some of the largest companies with really really intense security programs, um, and it's because we focus on it heavily.
1: Um. So I was fishing to see if there was any like tips on interesting platforms that you're using to do all that stuff, or is the answer just as simple as we're good at it? Which, if so, then props for you, but I was hoping to cheat and steal something from you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we we, we really love Drada. Um, that's a SOC 2 automation platform, as well as other, I guess these days, compliance automation platform. Um, we use them to help get all of our certifications, uh, but also... Candidly, they've just made us a more secure organization. They're constantly monitoring our AWS. You know, we'll, we'll occasionally get a ping. Hey, looks like you don't have a load balancer and you're required to have that for availability for whatever. We go, look, oh, it's some new test server that one of our engineers spun up. But cool, at least we know we're on top of it. We would, have, we would always be alerted if something like that happened. Um, and then the other pieces is... You know, it's it's not it's not just building a robust program, and it's not just getting those certifications, but it's also being able to sell your customers on you having that, helping their their security team, who hasn't been involved in the deal, doesn't really understand what you're doing, uh, making sure that that they're comfortable with you as well. Um, and one of the cool things about Drata is they also offer um, a new product that they just released, and, and we were pretty early in it. It's called the Trust Center, and what it does is it actually exposes the monitoring that they're doing on a page for us. So um, we have it up trust trust.merge.dev if anyone wants to just kind of see what a Trust Center looks like. But it lists out, you know, here are all of our security certifications, here's our company policies, here are things like, you know, databases encrypted at rest, you know, here are all these, and it's live monitoring it. So if, if that was ever disabled, that would turn red on that page right there. Um, and then the other cool piece is, is, a lot of times you know you have to send out these security certifications to customers, um, and they they need you know you have to get a SOC two in place. There's a lot of tracking, um, and as you grow, you start having these requests every day. It's very difficult to keep track of. And so with Draa, with the Drada Trust Center, we also now have these people coming in, um, clicking you know request, 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 and we'll get an email that says you know X customer has requested access to these these you know internal policies that you have to to these certifications. We just click approve or we send them, a, uh, you know, an NDA and then approve and then boom, they have access to it. So um, I would say Dorada has been at, huge on our journey. Um, and there are, of course, other players in that space as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that whole kind of trust center uh, space seems like it's exploded. We were early fans of safe base. So stoplights uh, kind of uh, security posture page or, you know, trust center kind of thing is, is driven from that. But I feel like we've seen everybody's popped up something with that in the last year or two.
0: Yeah, and Safebase, we know that team as well. They're they're great. You know, really, really sharp team. I believe they're also working with Drawn on some things. So, um, yeah, both both of those companies are are definitely great.
1: Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess you know, as you think about you know this business of calling all the APIs and doing all the things for folks out there who, uh, you know, maybe aren't uh, are, are doing similar things in their day to day. Uh, right, and they maybe they don't need merge. They're already doing some of this stuff. Like any words of wisdom on, um, you know, kind of the things to watch out for, the gotchas, and that that kind of uh, development work.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I think there's a lot here. Um, I, I think not not to plug merge or anything, but always be thinking about the future here. And, you know, your company is going to come to you and say, hey, we have a customer that needs a Workday integration. Your first question should be, is it just Workday or are we going to have to build others in the future? Whether or not you want to use a unified API, be thinking about your architecture and how you can do things, you know, Even internally, that's that's sort of where the idea of merge came, was because internally at our past companies, we had to build our own unified APIs, right? ingest from different data sources, translate them to a language that we needed internally to use and, and could be processed by the rest of our system. So I think always be thinking about the future, um, another big one is just authentication and thinking about permissions. Uh, realizing that your customers are not just going to give you access to every single piece of data that exists within the API, and so being able to handle, you know, what happens if data comes down and is missing you know, half the things we need or what happens if, if data comes down and they've just formatted it completely different from, from you know, how we did it. Uh, and then I think other ones are, are really a lot of the, the sustainability and the management and, you know, not necessarily just updating to a changing API, but you have a customer that onboards, they ping your support team. Hey, uh, the the, you know, personal email for this employee is missing. What's going on? Next thing you know, you've created a nightmare for engineering because engineering now needs to support the support team on everything. So uh, building visibility for your support teams, tracking dashboards, all of those things are another really critical thing to think about.
1: Very nice. Well, um, Kill. I, I really wanna thank you for being so open and transparent about how you guys do things um, and you know, certainly wish all the best of luck. Cause it seems like you're growing like crazy and uh, must be doing something right.
0: thank you so much and uh, yeah I I really appreciate the time and uh, best of luck
1: thanks for listening if you have a question you want to ask look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you